All right. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to our first mini-sode. I'm so excited for this. Yes. Um, so we teased this in our last episode, but we thought it would be fun to find a week or to find to create a weekly episode where we could talk about more of what's happening real time. We just don't have time um, at the top of our episodes to really discuss current events when it comes to movies. Um, so we thought it'd be fun to add an additional little little fun episode during the week where we can talk about what's going on um, with movies that are coming out. If there's any news or drama, um, this is the place to do it. I know. We're like ready to spill the tea. I feel like there was a long period of time in the height of COVID where people thought just like the film industry was just going to cease to exist. And there was just nothing coming out at that time. And then we went so hard on old movies that when things picked back up, we forgot that like there was this backlog of two years worth of film and media and TV and stories being told and they all just came out at once and it feels like everyone is just trying to like expand the space, create new techniques of filmmaking, get really innovative all of a sudden all at once. And so we just find that we have so much to talk about um, that we just we would be remiss if we didn't discuss it on this podcast because we talk about it outside the podcast anyways. <laughs> Absolutely. And as much as we love old movies, we realize that's not everyone's cup of tea. And to your point, there's a lot of really cool films that are coming out or that, you know, we're, we're kind of getting little teasers of recently that we thought it would be fun to, to talk about. I know. And as much as we love old movies, I think it's important to note that we also really like new movies as well. Yeah, we're not like total fucking weirdos, okay? No, just we're just like moderately fucking weirdos. I don't know. Yeah. We're like a nice balance of being a fucking weirdo. I don't know. I would like to think that. I'd like to think that as well. (laughs) But I'm really excited. We have a really fun episode today. Um, This is a pretty casual episode. So for today, we're just drinking wine. (laughs) Hell yeah. We're just, you know, we all needed it. Um, Yeah, and at the top, just wanted to address um, our last episode we recorded before all the news hit, but just wanted to quickly address Roe v. Wade and that getting overturned. I feel super lucky, um, and what's cool about this community, you guys probably don't know this, um, but this is a very international mix that we have in terms of listenership, so I'm sure a lot of you guys are looking at us being like, what the actual fuck? And you know what? I just want you to know that we feel the same way, so... Yeah, I too am looking at us thinking what the actual fuck, and I'm glad you brought that up, Lydia, though, because I, when you mentioned, like, there's a lot of current events going on in movies that we want to talk about, we also have a lot of current events going on just in our American political um, realm right now, and I think um, we just want to both take a minute to say um, that we're very lucky we both live in a state that is very supportive of uh, abortion rights, uh, access to healthcare for any and all people, um, and that, you know, treat women, uh, like equal human beings. So I, I feel very lucky. Not a lot of states, well, not many, there are a lot of states that are, um, not doing that, uh, given the new abortion law and, uh, the Supreme Court just also, um, came out with a ruling basically trying to overrule mother nature today so that's also some weird stuff going on but uh we would be remiss if we didn't mention that we are we are both um very upset much like many people in this community um if people are upset please feel free to reach out to us if anybody has any good uh organizations foundations that are doing great work we'd love to know we'd love to post about it um and just show our support for that so 
yeah, fuck what's going on right now. I would love to opt out of being American right now. But... Yeah, can we unsubscribe? <laughs> Unfortunately, that's not an option. So. I think you bring up an interesting point too. And I mean, I don't have any answer. I just think it's interesting to, to think about. Just We talk a lot about on this podcast how movies are a reflection and a critique of our society, our country, our our like global experience and so I think it'll be really interesting to see with just all of the recent politics especially everything coming out with um January 6th that's currently also um you know under investigation I just think it'll be really interesting to see kind of what stories come out the next couple years um I think it's going to be a really interesting time and that film is most definitely a space where I think it's exciting because we can have those bigger conversations and that's really a place to do that and to bring awareness. So I'll be interested to see, um, if, if this impacts that, um, I definitely agree. And just like you said, film is a reflection of society at the time. And it also helps society hold a mirror up to itself and realize what it maybe got wrong. And I, and I hope that in a couple of years or even sooner than that, we can look back through the medium of film and television and other ways of storytelling to really hold a mirror up to ourselves and realize that, um, for the past couple of years, we've really been getting it wrong, uh, politically. So, um, I, yeah, I agree with you. It'll be interesting to see what stories come out of this. But for now, we're we're kind of going to talk about old movie stuff still, too, at the same time. Well, shall we jump in? That was kind of the heavy stuff, but I wanted to just make sure we addressed it. Sorry, we didn't talk about it last episode because that hadn't hit yet, but obviously wanted to let you guys just address that up at the top. Like, we're both very, very supportive of, of everyone's rights, so... That's all. <laughs> and uh, say we're here for you. We're, we support you. If, if anybody needs to reach out or anything like that, we, we're here to listen. But we hope we can also liven up um, the mood. The world is very heavy uh, with just some fun stuff, which is the reason we do it all. Dumb fun things. Dumb fun things. So let's go ahead and jump into it. So I don't think we actually got to talk about this. Jennifer Hudson recently became only the 17th person to achieve an EGOT. Um Hell yeah, queen. Um, that's my that's my bitch. I love her. <laughs> <laughs> we loved her as Effie. We love her more as herself. I adore her. She's incredible. I actually like I know her. as herself. <laughs> um, my girl Jen. My girl. Jen in the role of herself. J H. <laughs> J- I thought you were gonna spell Jen, but like J H A E N, and I was oh, like, that's weird. you're like no, so Lydia, stop. stop. Um. Yes, she's incredible. I mean, truly a force to be reckoned with. Um, She completed her EGOT this year by winning a Tony Award for Strange Loop. Um, Because I was curious, and perhaps you maybe as well, let us revisit how we got along this EGOT journey. Um, Please do. I was going to ask. Yes, please. 2016, she wins Best Supporting Actress for her role in Dreamgirls. Great film. Uh, love that movie. Cry so every time. Good. It's fine. Every time. Next up, she in 2009, she got her Grammy with the eponymous R&B album. Um, obviously, Jennifer Hudson, because that's her name and that's what eponymous means. <laughs> J-H. J-H. 
Um, and she actually won a second Grammy, not that we're counting, but we are, Get It Girl, um, for her work on the album for The Color Purple. That was in 2017. And then last year, she won her Emmy for Baba Yaga, which I haven't seen. I don't know what that is. Don't know what that is, but very happy for her. <laughs> but, but, like, good for you. Um, I just, like, as a sidebar, I did not know what EGOT was. If only for, like, I did know, but I wouldn't have known about it if not for 30 Rock, which I don't know if anyone loves 30 Rock, but um, there is an episode where Tracy Jordan is trying to get an EGOT. (laughs) Yes, I know the exact episode you're talking about. Um, There was also some really funny, like, memes floating around online about um, a a different... um, Jennifer, oh my god, um, Jennifer Lopez, um, and just making some jokes because she's had some like, she she definitely thinks that she's like some hot shit, and it was basically just making fun of a little bit about that, um, but that she is also in line to you know she's on her way to getting that ego and that she has absolutely won nothing yet, um, so she's one to watch. <laughs> like be serious and I thought you were gonna say she's won stuff and I was just like I don't think she's getting that Oscar Lydia like no and that's that's why it's so funny because she had some some like pretty uh heavy hefty critiques for people who are have won things and who are very highly decorated um and yeah she's definitely on her way and that she has a lot to do so wait okay so I have a (laughs) follow-up question for you did she comment on the fact that she like thinks she is getting an ego at some point no but I think everyone else is just making fun of the okay. fact that she thinks that she's would, really good at what she does yes that is funny it would be even funnier if she genuinely thought she was on her way to getting you know what thought. I think that she might be I don't know that she's outwardly said that but I mean she definitely thinks she's like a quadruple threat so yeah that's unfortunate but that's I know okay. but also hilarious for us so <laughs> Very, very funny. But we're super proud of our girl, J-Hud, right now. Yes, we love her. So um, congratulations. That is such a monumental feat. Again, she is one of 17. That's she is. a small number. <laughs> so It is. And um, our other queen, Rita Moreno, ha- has an EGOT. She is one of the only... Um, I don't, I don't think one of the only other people that is alive right now. I don't actually know how many living people have an EGOT. I do know our other queen that we discussed last week, I'm pretty sure also has an EGOT, Audrey Hepburn. I think that's true. And I think Barbara Streisand also has an EGOT. Oh, uh, that checks out. That tracks. That very much checks out. Yeah, but not a lot of women of color getting these. Not so a lot I think of women this of color. Is monumental in a lot of levels, and also she's just amazing. So it's been cool to watch her her journey and just see the range of work that she's been able to do. Although I have yet to see Baba Yaga, so apologies. I can't say I've seen Baba Yaga. Loved her in Dreamgirls. Absolutely. <laughs> Well, moving on to our next headline this this week, um, Elvis just beat out Top Gun at the box office. Oh. They did indeed. Um, so Elvis generated $31.1 million with its box office debut this week, uh, while Top Gun brought in a hefty uh, $29.6 million. Um, it's currently in its fifth week in theaters. So that was a bit of an upset. Let me ask a follow-up question. 
was the Top Gun number this week's, like, amount that it made? Or was that its box office opening amount that it made? So, I think that it, that's not its box office opening. I think that's what it made this week. So, it... Well, that's pretty impressive that five weeks in, it's still, like, contending for top box office spot with an, a movie that's been getting, like, a lot of high praise. Also, shout out to Top Gun, by the way. That, yeah. That, the new Top Gun is, like, the coolest movie I've ever seen. I don't know if that's a hot take. I think, I don't think it is. I think it's been getting a lot no, of No, I think a but... lot of people feel that way. I actually had in my notes here, because I did kind of want some structure and outline, because I'm just, like, it's like I have one sip of wine and my brain just disappears. Um, but I have in my notes, Sara, give her thoughts on Top Gun. So, thank you. um thank you so much for asking lydia my thoughts on top gun are that it was the coolest movie i've ever seen i'm a huge fan of the original top gun but i don't think you need to have seen it i mean it helps because it's like there's a lot of throwbacks in this movie to the original top gun you don't necessarily need to have seen it it definitely helps with um the dynamics of a couple of the main characters but it they do what I think is actually pretty innovative, and I don't think they do this in a lot of movies. Um, they did all of their own flying. I think they the actors like trained pretty hard. Obviously, they they had professional people doing a lot of like the the serious stuff, but they don't use special effects for any of the um, combat scenes at all, which is amazing. So. That was very cool. Very Jerry Bruckheimer of them, who I think is, in fact, the producer of that movie. <laughs> You're like, attracts. And I think it's so cool, too, because I think in recent years, especially with some of these more action-y adventure movies, especially with the rise of kind of the Marvel empire, um, it is so based in needing special effects. And sometimes it almost, you lose out on the plot or some of the stakes because it becomes so dependent on visual effects which I also think there's a place for my sister works in visual effects it's awesome it's 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 cool and they're geniuses but like there's something to be said too for for really just having something that is you know like you feel the stakes you feel the the reality of what they're doing and that's really cool I agree and I think you bring up a really interesting point about Marvel and I think this actually deserves its own like mini so that we could do because I'm a huge fan of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and um, there is a lot of debate within not really the film industry, but within um, like the circle of very um, kind of like the bourgeoisie or like the glitterati of the film industry. I would say a lot of like the old school directors that believe in like you know, like pure cinema, like people that really hang on to that Hitchcockian idea like Martin Scorsese who do not think that Marvel movies are, like, cinema. And I think it's really interesting, and I think it would be worth um, an interesting, like, deep dive analysis in, in debating that topic because, there, like you said, there is a space for that kind of medium, and I think what they do in Marvel movies is very amazing and very fascinating. Definitely its own thing. Um, but it's really interesting to see, like, the rise of that and how that's butting heads with a lot of people that are trying to compete in that same realm but aren't making movies with with special effects. Um, but it's interesting to see a movie like Top Gun come out and have the same kind of, like, box office, you know, blockbuster hit value and not really use special effects at all, which we don't see a lot anymore. So it's cool to see that. And I'm, 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 ex- I'm glad that there are movies that can really, you know, push the boundaries and, like, push other filmmakers to try new things and be innovative. Yeah, I love that. Couldn't have said it better myself. Um, I also think... <laughs> One thing that I definitely want to note with Top Gun as well is the return of the mustache to our society. Um, uh, yeah. 
So get ready for that because you're going to see a lot of douchebags with mustaches. Yeah, and I really think, like, people need to understand, like, it depends on who you are on whether or not you can pull that off. And you should just know. Like, if you are asking if you can pull that off, you probably can't. You probably can't. So yeah. I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> I think that that's the perfect way to uh, wrap up that, that uh, analysis. <laughs> <laughs> so I quickly wanted to switch gears and talk about, we talked about how Elvis did really well at the box office this week. Um, so that's Boz Lerman's new movie. You might know him from films such as Moulin Rouge, as well as kind of more recently, Great Gatsby. I can't remember what he did more recently. He did Australia as well. Oh, that's, that's not true. more recently, but it's that very strange movie about Australia. With Nicole Kidman. <laughs> yeah, who ironically does not play an Australian person, even though she is. In Australia? Australia? Yeah, that was a weird choice, but respect her range, I guess. <laughs> I guess so. She's a great actress. I actually love Nicole Kidman. Yeah, I do too. I No, that's what I'm saying. I mean, she's incredible. The fact that they would cast her in a movie about Australia and have her not play someone who's Australian, I think speaks to the fact that she's just incredibly talented and adept at basically any role people throw at her. Um, but this is Boz Lerman's new film. I think he definitely brings a certain look and feel to his movies. If you've seen his films before, they are very over the top, very sparkly, glitzy, larger than life. Um... This film stars Austin Butler, who I wasn't super familiar with him. I actually didn't know a lot about this movie, for being honest. So I did, like, a, a quick, like, one-liner on the plot. But it's interesting because the story is told from the singer's longtime crooked manager, who's played by Tom Hanks, which is interesting to see him in kind of this, like, villain role almost. Yes. And Tom must set the record straight after papers and kind of the media label him as crooked and a cheat for taking advantage of Elvis. So he's kind of trying to to clear his name. I think Elvis is kind of, you know, this rising star and probably his decline as well. I'm not quite sure like the time frame with which this film is set, but um that's kind of the general approach to it which I thought was interesting I'm really curious about this movie because um it seems in recent years and I don't know if you agree with this but it seems like the road I I don't know why this is the case but it seems like the road to a best actor Oscar is to play in a bioepic which is like very weird and I don't know why we keep making bioepics like at this rapid rate which I'm like I'm not mad about it but I haven't like cared about any I'm talking there's like three specific ones I'm thinking about which is this one the Elton John one and the um Freddie Mercury one and I don't like super care about like any of those people that much like I love them as national or international icons but um I just find that it's very like interesting that that seems to be like the new route to getting a, a best actor Oscar I don't know if you agree, if you've noticed that trend. No, I have. And I think it is interesting. I was actually talking to my sister about this because the other movie I was going to bring up is um, the new biopic about Marilyn Monroe. Um, But I I just think it's so interesting, just this rise. I mean, we've seen biopics for a while, but I feel like there continues to be this focus on that. Um, There's consistently biopics about very famous people coming out. Um, And I think Elvis is definitely one of those. I do have very mixed feelings about biopics because I think that it's interesting to explore the lives of people who are so legendary, who are so iconic, that hold such a cornerstone in our popular culture. And I feel like where I really struggle with it is how 
how meaningful is it? Like, does this story need to be told? And also, if someone can't tell their story themselves, how much of it is trying to bring life to something that I think all of us are curious about, especially with some of these more tragic, like, figures? And how much of it is just, like, frankly, exploitive? I definitely agree with you. And I think it's super interesting that you bring that up because that was one thing that, like, kind of turned me off about the Elton John one was that he's still alive. (laughs) Like, felt very weird. And I'm pretty sure, like, his partner produced the movie. So it felt very, like self-indulgent I didn't actually see it because I don't I don't it was I did see it and I thought it was good I don't think that the storytelling to me was like as I don't know it wasn't super evocative I mean I think I definitely learned a lot about him and it was pretty amazing to see the things that he overcame but at the same time like it was such a long span of time that they were trying to depict that it also got a little bit watered down and was kind of just a lot of like milestones in his life which was fine but I, I almost like the ones where it's more kind of at this turning point like it's a smaller amount of time where you're really diving into it whereas his it just it did feel a little bit self-indulgent I don't know that there was for me that like aha moment I I think it's interesting comparing that to um Lucy Ar- and Desi Arnaz have also been in the spotlight recently there was that Um, biopic that came out but I actually watched the more documentary version of that which was called Lucy and Desi and that was really fabulous I actually cried but what was cool about that is that was more of a documentary style so they actually found old tapes of Lucy and wove that in and kind of told the story they did bring in experts Um, and to me that felt like she could kind of tell the story in her own words even though obviously she's passed her daughter also um, gave some you know, some talking heads throughout it. And there were also some other experts who really studied her life. To me, that felt more authentic where, yes, of course, it's someone, it is some revisionist history. You have someone editing this and kind of drawing it together to create this cohesive story. But at the same time, it did feel like there was a little bit more of a hand in it where it did feel like it wasn't just trying to be this um, splashy kind of, you know, like, over the top thing, right? It's like you're trying to accurately kind of pr- represent someone in a way that would feel authentic to them. And I think I appreciate that a little bit more. And I think to your point, that might be somewhat revisionist history because you can only edit it so much and you you have to, you know, you, you can't put words in someone's mouth. But on the other hand, if you're doing it in a bioepic kind of, um, you know, narrative style with actors, that's just like a completely Hollywoodized version of of some span of time or something in someone's life. And um, there are a couple that I really like. Like, I I think the way that they approached it with Walk the Line and Joaquin Phoenix playing Johnny Cash many years ago, they they really focused, like, on a very specific um, thing. They focused on his relationship and the, like how he... Yeah. yeah, how they kind of developed in their relationship, which I think was really a, a, an important thing. I mean... You know, Steven Spielberg made that docu or um, that biopic about Lincoln. <laughs> that was great, but yeah. also like the issue that you get with these movies, and I think obviously that being very different than these like more modern musical icons, but also what happened in that movie, and I think what happens in these movies is that they become just this platform for the actor to like. It's very method. Like everyone always studies a bunch and gets into like yeah, you know. and it's like a very much about their performance like as this like character doesn't really have much substance to the plot I think which is which is kind of interesting to me and I and I don't really like character pieces unless they're 
fictional because then I think they're more interesting because that's you know it's made it's made up so it's more interesting to me so I don't know I, the, the biopics are not my favorite but I'm curious about this Elvis one it's been getting such high praise and Austin Butler apparently can't like shake his Elvis accent anymore so he like talks with it in his normal life now so that's such a bummer though like don't do that Austin because he, we know you're a fucking liar it's like there was this one guy that I went to college with. Um, he moved to America the same time that one of our friends did, who also moved from England. He very much had an accent. She did not. I just think that you're a fucking poser. Um, like, we all know it. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's, like, unnecessary at this point. And I feel like that's what Austin's doing. He's like, oh, oh, did I slip into it? I didn't even, I didn't even realize I, Elvis is He's me. with me. He's, like, when I, I think I saw an interview with him and he's talking about how he's, like, doing this press stuff. He's, like, he's just, like, because he's, like, with me. And I'm just, like... But he's not. <laughs> um, I will see the movie, though. I'm, I'm curious about it. I love Baz Luhrmann. I know that not, he's not for everybody and not, not, a, not a lot of people. Not, I mean, a lot of people like him, but not everybody um, can vibe with his style of movie because it is very, very, like, it is an assault on your eyes if you're not, like, ready for it. But It is. But I feel like it works for Elvis, but it is interesting. So overall, I think it has about a 78% on Rotten Tomatoes. I did look at our one of our favorite sources for film reviews is Roger Ebert. Like, we love his reviews for his old films, but people continue to write reviews kind of under his website. Um, they gave it one and a half stars and basically just, oh, yeah, wrecked destroyed it. Destroyed it. So um, I love that. Interesting to see. I don't know. Like I just, I really struggle with biopics for kind of all of the reasons that we talked about. It just feels a little bit sensationalist to me. And I just feel like it's hard when you're trying to recreate these stories that we know so well in that are these just iconic characters that I think there is a reason we come back to them because they are just, they hold this mystique, right? And especially with tragic figures like Elvis and Marilyn, I think there's a natural human inclination to want to understand that um and I think I think what's interesting is like as we're seeing the rise of this we're seeing the rise of um people making biopics about a lot of iconic female you know leaders or uh cultural icons in in our society and I um I know that we're probably going to talk about the Marilyn Monroe one and I'm, I'm really interested to hear your take on on that movie even though it hasn't come out yet but they did just announce uh, a bit of like you know film news they just announced this they it was like a very competitive process for for um uh casting the new Madonna biopic and they just announced that they, it was like between these three actors they had to go through all of this like really intense like audition stuff and they cast Julia Garner and I'm actually very excited about that I'm I, I love her well. I love her um and I think she's gonna be good in that but I'm excited to see like a rise of these like female icons and making films about them so I'm 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 curious what are you, what are your thoughts about the um the process of this new Marilyn Monroe one yeah so I think this is interesting I mean the internet was definitely a buzzing about this new bio pick um so it's called blonde and it's based on a fictionalized retelling of marilyn monroe's life um it's adapted from a novel of the same name um by joe joyce carol oates um i have like mixed feelings about it i think it'll be interesting again i feel like it's leaning into like the sensationalism that being said i think it's great to see representation of women i just I do wonder too when you have stories like this when you attribute so much to one person like a lot of the flack I was saying too for the Elvis one um I think the main criticism is really like 
the lack of diversity and like willingness to spotlight other things that kind of led to the rise. It just feels very, you know, focused on one person. That being said. Yeah. Oh, you mean his appropriation of like black music and also the fact that he was like, had to get special permission to marry Lisa Marie, or sorry, Priscilla Presley, who was 14. He was 14. <laughs> yeah. I mean, again, he's just kind of a gross person. Like, I don't, I think he, similar to Hitchcock even sometimes, like, they did do important contributions for their art, but he also ripped off a lot of people who were doing it better and first than him, and they never got the same airtime because they were people of color. So, like, let's acknowledge that first and foremost. Very much. Um, okay. That being said, with this new Maryland documentary, I, it's interesting because I found some kind of sound bites from Andrew Dominic, who's the director for this film. I did look at his filmography because his name didn't sound familiar to me, and he... Hadn't directed any films that I was super aware of. He did do some directing for Mindhunter, which is the show that I watched and I loved. Um, but the films that he did direct, I, I wasn't familiar with. That being said, I feel like what he's trying to accomplish in this movie is like very divisive. And it want, feels like he wants to shock people. And I feel like, to me, that kind of rubs me the wrong way. Especially for a figure who I think is as exploited as Marilyn. It just, like, it, to me, it just, like, felt gross. So let me read you a couple quotes from him, and I'm interested to see how you take it. So he called the film a tragedy and a nightmare, saying that Blonde is for all of the unloved children of the world. It's like Citizen Kane in Raging Bull had a baby daughter. That's one soundbite. The next is, we're in a time now, I think, where people are really uncertain about where any lines are. It's a film that definitely has morality about it, but it swims in very ambiguous waters, and I don't think it'll be as cut and dry as people want to see. There's something in it to offend everyone. Okay, I'm very interested to to see it, because I think a fictionalized version of, of Meryl, Marilyn Monroe that's going to exploit that figure even more is... Very interesting, and I, I'm just curious to, to to rethink about those sound bites in the context of having seen the film because, cons- like a movie, I can't really picture the style of a movie that is like uh, if Citizen Kane and Raging Bull had a daughter. Like that feels very interesting, and I wonder if he's talking about the the literal filming style of the movie because that might that makes sense. But I I'm curious about it, and you know what's interesting is that. I really liked the My Week with Marilyn movie that came out a while ago because that movie was a very specific like time period from a person's perspective of working with Marilyn Monroe and I think that the take that they had with that um was really interesting and the person who um is narrating it he like that that person actually wrote the book so I think that was like a very interesting um movie because you're getting you're you're not getting this fictionalized necessarily perspective of her but you're getting or representation of her but you're getting somebody else's perspective of her which I think is easier to like it's it's more like palpable I think then I'm worried this one is going to be a little bit too offensive but I love Anna Diarmas and I'm I'm really curious to see what she does with it because I also like trust her ability to take a role that she doesn't think is like the wrong role or like offensive so I'm, I'm wondering to see how she kind of tempers a little bit of like how um not vulgar he's being with it but how kind of like explicit and exploitative he's trying to like yeah m- and again with it's it. it's hard to know because this is all excerpts from different interviews you know and I think that 
things always get taken out of context. I do want to like play it with that grain of salt. Um, I, I wanted to mention too, what's interesting about this film is this will be the first Netflix film to, to earn an NC 17 rating. We don't, I don't think we've talked about any NC-17 films. I think the most that we typically see is R. Yeah, I'm wondering what is going to make it NC-17. So they haven't said anything specifically about it, um, but according to the Motion Picture Association, who does provide these ratings, um, it was due to some sexual content. Again, I don't know if that's, if it's additive, you know what I mean? Like there's just more sexual content if there's one scene in particular that has something more graphic in nature. That, But I think about a lot of the R movies that I've seen and I mean, they can get pretty graphic. So it'll be interesting to know what it is that tipped the scales to get that rating because that is a pretty big difference between an R and NC-17. And to be honest, like I don't even know if I've seen an NC-17 movie. I don't think I have. Like I can't, I can't think of one that I've seen that like, I knew that it was NC-17. Like, maybe I've seen one, but I, I don't know where I would have found it, so I don't think I've seen one either. Yeah, so I, I think that this is really interesting. Um, Again, like, I think this also kind of adds to this allure. I think it's interesting, to the way that they're taking this PR spin. I feel like this definitely kind of adds to that story that they're creating about it being, you know, like, offensive, something to offend everyone. It's like, I don't know with when you're talking about someone's life if it's, like, appropriate to be, like, offending everyone. Again, I think it's hard, like, it's hard because I understand why they want to do it and where they're coming from. Until we see the movie, I don't know that I'll be able to speak more about it specifically, but I, right now it's just not hitting right with me, and I feel like it's problematic, but it'll be interesting to see kind of how that how and if that feeling evolves I know I agree with you I I feel the same way and I'm just I am really curious to see it but not because I'm like necessarily excited about the movie itself I I again like I just mentioned I'm um, very excited about the casting of Marilyn Monroe I love on Diarmas Lydia and I have talked about this in depth because there's a book that is now being adapted into a movie that we both love and, and I she would be very perfect yeah her is young Evelyn Hugo and then Rita Morena as old Evelyn Hugo, we tried to actually create like our ideal cast for this. The problem was that, like, I couldn't think of that we, many people. Yeah, to be honest. like we only cared about this casting, and I hope that um, since they are in the process, that that is the case because she would absolutely kill it. I mean, she's literally a Cuban actress. Like that is that is like who Evelyn Hugo is, and Rita Moreno obviously is like an iconic Latina actress of the golden age so that just makes sense but um I care I'm like very excited I care very much about that book and I just like I'm so excited about it and I'm like I'm very curious to see like who how they who they cast as Celia because I'm like very interested um like in that pairing so I'm that'll be very interesting to see but it's I just yeah I'm Anna Diarmas is amazing so I'm, I'm excited about that casting but I'm yeah I'm very like intrigued with the movie but not in the most like excited way I would say agreed I'll be interested to see how they do it's always interesting when a movie has this much hype and again when you're picking such an iconic person to fix it around um I don't know I'm always just you know I'm always interested to see how they do it hopefully they do it justice and hopefully it's something new and not I just don't want something exploitative or sensationalized because I just don't think I feel like that's disrespectful, and if you wanted to tell a sensationalized story, like, why do you have to attach her name to it? You know, like, you know, I don't know. That's that's how I feel. 
Well, my last one that I have um, that I thought this is kind of the palate cleanser to all of that is the Ken and Barbie movie is actively filming. And this week we got some new um, kind of pictures. They are filming in Venice Beach. Some very iconic outfits with roller skates were involved. And may I say... A lot of highlighter colors. Absolutely. Ryan Gosling and Margot Robbie were looking, you know deck to the 80s so I don't know how to feel about it yet it'll be interesting I'm curious to know what this story is I am curious to know the story is also obsessed with the casting I know that it's written and directed by Greta Gerwig and it's actually co-written by Greta Gerwig and um her husband who wrote Marriage Story I think so I think the it's gonna be like a very divisive See, this is one that I'm like, let's take a new look at Barbie and Ken. Yes, like, let's do it. So, I'm, yeah, to your point, I'm really excited. There hasn't been a lot that's been leaked on the plot. Um, so it'll be really interesting to see how they take it again, just with what we know about the work that they've done in the past. This should be a really, a really different approach to a topic that I think so many of us are familiar with. So it'll be cool to see what they do. I'm very excited. I love Greta Gerwig as a director. I think she's phenomenal. And um, this is going to be great. And the casting is amazing. So I'm, I'm just like so excited about it. It'll be fun. I know. I can't wait. There's been some kind of... We know for sure, obviously, that Ryan Gosling is Ken. Margot Robbie is Barbie. Um, I think there's some other cast members that we know are associated with the film, but we don't quite know like what their roles are or how they play into it yet. So more to come there. But that's kind of what I had for this week. Um, the other thing, I, other thing on my radar is Jordan Peele's new film, Nope, which is going to be launch, premiering um, July 22nd. So I think we can kind of keep that one on the radar, but I don't have anything. Yeah, I saw the trailer for that when I went and saw Top Gun. And as soon as it ended, I was like, nope, but in a great way. <laughs> I was like, that is going to be really scary and good. Yeah, so, can't wait. Um, very excited for that. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of cool stuff coming out, a lot of stuff that we um, are going to uh, probably be talking about as it comes up. Summer is like the time for movies, so there'll be a lot of fun stuff um, coming up. And so we don't know what we're going to talk about next on our next mini-sode, so stay tuned with us for that. Yay, and thanks, guys. This has been a new fun thing that we wanted to try. Hopefully you guys like it as well. Uh, definitely let us know what you thought. Again, we're trying something new. We've been doing this for, what, over a year now, and we thought it was time to introduce kind of a, a new little... Um, I don't know, what would you call this? A new series, a new little series to add to our, you know, our, our uh, programming. So, um, yeah. Um, so back to our regularly scheduled programming next week. But um, yeah, we, we like doing this. We kind of just talk about movies and movie news and everything anyways. So we figured maybe you guys also care and want like a little weekly roundup of um, what's going on in the film industry these days. So um let us know what you think and uh, tune in next week as we talk about, or next time, I don't know when the next episode is going to come out, but next time as we get back to our normal structure in film analysis and we talk about modern times in the beginning of our screwball comedy series. And until then, cheers! cheers.